This episode of Get In The Game podcast is presented by the Sports Spectrum Magazine. Stories and articles on the intersection of sports and faith that you won't find anywhere else. I love this magazine, and I highly recommend you all subscribe and get your copy today. We keep our subscriptions affordable for everyone, and it makes a great gift, particularly for the kids. Subscribe today at sportspectrum.com and click the magazine icon at the top of the page. Get your subscription now at sportspectrum.com. You won't regret it. Welcome to Get in the Game Podcast with your host, Scott Langer, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad, so let's dive right in. Hey everybody, this is Scott Linebrink, back with another episode of Get in the Game Podcast, and this week I'm joined by Matt Forte, former running back for the Chicago Bears, 10-year NFL veteran. Matt, thanks for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. All right. Um, Matt, you're, uh, you've got a great story because you had a very successful NFL career and then you parlayed that into um, some real efforts that are pouring back into your community as well as ministry. And so, yeah. um, you know, why don't we just start by talking about your faith and mm-hmm. maybe how that became a big component and in, in driver in making the decision to engage in this way? Yeah, um, you know, uh, like you said, 10-year career in the NFL, but obviously before that you got college and high school and little league and all that and so growing up in louisiana in a a small town my grandfather was a uh, pastor for 60 years with in texas and that's where my dad's from but then my dad went to tulane as well which is the same college i went to and after that he met my mom and uh, i grew up within louisiana my whole life until i got drafted by the bears and he always kept us in um religious environments, I'd say. And so I went to Sunday school, went to church every Sunday, but that necessarily doesn't um, translate over to uh, walking faithfully. And so I had, it was a sanctification process of a long process of leading up even through my pro career in order to be able to walk in the spirit, I'd say, Hmm. uh, as Paul tells us to, instead of walking in the flesh. And so, um, you know, throughout my, my life, I, began to see God's grace and how he just so carefully and, and tenderly actually would discipline me in certain things and, and show me that that's not the right way to do things. And, you know, you call yourself a, a believer or a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, you need to be living it. And so, um, you know, throughout my life, there's been, you know, ups and downs like everybody does have. There's been, you know, pain and frustration and different things. But it wasn't until I really decided to jump into his word and seek him, like Matthew six thirty three says, uh, to seek ye first uh, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And what things are those that I believe is whatever, what you need and what, he, what you truly need, God knows. And at that time in my life, I needed uh, authenticity. I needed an authentic faith. I needed, um, you know, truth within me. I needed to, I needed wisdom. And uh, I think that came when I really, you know, sought after him, um, you know, through his word. So talk about maybe some influences during that time in your life. And I don't know about what stage of your career you were in when you really got serious about engaging in God's word and walking with him. But did you have some men in your life that really spoke to you during that time? 
Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, our team chaplain was Ray McElroy at that time, and uh, we would have Bible studies every week, and he would do chapel services, and it really, uh, a lot of things would convict me, you know, especially in my rookie year when I'm coming out of college, and you're a second-round pick, and then uh, obviously burst onto the scene as a pretty good running back, and you know, you you do you will have the tendency, the human tendency, to start to, you know, feel yourself a little bit. Like I, I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm, I might be the guy, you know. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, he had a big influence and impact on me early in my career, as well as a couple of teammates, um, Josh McCown, who was uh, who was a quarterback, and he had been in a, on a bunch of different teams at this point. He even, I think, he joined us when I was with the Bears on like. Thanksgiving day like and uh we didn't have a game that week but he like you know came in the facility and from like day one you can tell he walked uh his faith and I'd be impressed because we would be in Bible study and he would quote scripture and he would you know talk about this and he's his understanding of the Bible was very impressive I'm like man you know for him to be a uh a football player and and his understanding of the Bible was was um you know it was, it was inspiring to me and uh, not just for the knowledge base, but that uh, he lived it and had great wisdom from it. And so uh, that's what really kind of inspired me was, you know, being convicted by the word and, and the truth of God's word. But then also being inspired by uh, a peer who not only knew the word, but lived it. Matt, I don't know if it was like this for you um, growing up in the baseball culture. Um, there was a lot of guys that thought if you were a Christian, you were soft, you know, they, mm -hmm. they thought of Christians as, well, y'all are the ones that are supposed to turn the other cheek when you get hit. And so, you know, it, it's uh, less of a, um, you have less of, a, of an ability to, to be a competitor if you're a Christian. Did, mm -hmm. did you experience anything like that? Yeah, I think the football locker room is full of that. Uh, maybe even on steroids, full of that uh, on, a, on a different level. Um, I, I, I think there's been a lot of times where people, uh, not me personally, but have thought um, of of other guys like, oh uh, yeah, you know, uh, the, the Christian thing. Like you, you go and you pray about things, and you know, it, it probably never really works, or that's the answer instead of like you taking charge. And that's what a real man is. But really, it's uh, you know, from from that perspective, some people may, if they don't know the word, you know, they could believe that. But really, it's just a false sense of manhood to believe that you can't be vulnerable and that you and that, you know, Christianity is for docile people uh, to just accept being walked on as a doormat or being beat on. And so actually being a godly man, I believe, is the is is the real definition of a man. And it's, it's one of the hardest things that you can be. That's why there's so, you know, few people that are really authentically walking that out, because it's really hard to actually represent that. Because, um, you know, when you when you do represent that, of course, the enemy wants to destroy that. So he's going to send all kind of stuff your way. And, uh, you know, I think the guys who walk through that and uh, hold on to their faith and, uh, you know, have families and love their wives and and can represent Christ and they don't care what the other people from the outside think. Those are the real men. Mm. Matt Forte, it's a pleasure to have you on here today. Um, we mentioned that you came from Louisiana, went to Chicago, spent eight of your 10 years in Chicago. So you had a real opportunity to invest in that community. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm imagining a place like Chicago. I, I played there for a short time, and they have a tendency to, to really wrap their arms and embrace their, their sports heroes. So 
what kind of things, you know, we talk about this podcast about uh, engaging in your faith, getting off the sidelines mm-hmm. and doing something. I'm sure you had opportunities to serve within your community while you were playing. Uh, what did that look like? Yeah, one of my favorite things that um, I did and still do was uh, Inglewood uh, in Chicago is on the south side, and it's one of the roughest neighborhoods. And um, you always hear about it or see it. Um, they they love, I mean, obviously the, the media sensationalizes a lot of things, but you would always hear about Inglewood and how violent it was and how, you know, there's a lot of gangs and and shootings and all this stuff. And so I kind of, while playing, was wondering, I was like, how come there's no one that, you know, really goes and does football camps or, you know, everything's kind of done in, in the nice neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, these kids don't have anything. These this, these are the ones who need the, to be engaged. And so um, when I was like maybe six years in or five or six years in at, at – uh, in Chicago, I started going to Inglewood. I actually, it, it was God's providence. I was at a basketball, I was at a Bulls game. And uh, Joe King Noah, I, I knew him. And his uh, right-hand man, his guy, that did a lot with his foundation, was from Inglewood. And he was a former you know, gang member, had been in jail and came out, changed his life. And he worked with an organization that was, a, was there to stop violence. And so he was my in to be able to go into the neighborhood. Because, you know, you got to know people. You can't just go strolling into Inglewood and just like, hey, I'm Matt Forte. I want to play football. No. Not, not even a, you. No, no. Okay. It don't work like that. <laughs> so you got to know somebody. So um, in the off season, uh, when we had a lot of free time, I would drive down and um, make sure uh, that I would contact him. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to meet you. You know, meet me over here. And we would meet actually. Um, outside of this uh, is a Martin Luther King Center, and it had like bowling and and skating and all kind of stuff. But most of the kids didn't have money to even do that. But behind it was a uh, big grass field, and it was like a kind of rundown playground. And so he, I told him, I was like, "Look, this is my vision. I want to come out, and you tell all the kids that you know Matt will be here, and uh, he wants to play flag football with everybody." We went out, bought the cones and flags and all kind of stuff and footballs. And we would come out there, but first, you know, all these kids would come out and they thinking, no, we're going to play football. And the first thing we would do was sit down in the huddle and we would talk life. Hmm. And so that was really uh, fruitful for me and for them um, because I would come back. And the crazy thing was that uh, I I would come back the next week. Well, you know, I came the first week and the next week I came back and the kids were surprised that I came back. Hmm. And I was like, why are y'all surprised? Like, well, people usually, you know, they do, they come in, they do one thing, and then they leave. And I didn't want to be a guy like that. So it was, um, that was one of the, the, the best things um, I did while playing uh, there. And now that I, con- I live there, mm-hmm. we continue to do stuff that um, on a larger basis um, in more neighborhoods and try to engage the youth um, to do some positive stuff. Yeah, and I know your foundation does a lot of work with black entrepreneurs. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, we during the the pandemic we found out that a lot of the small black-owned businesses were struggling because obviously everything shut down. Like I think every business was was struggling, but they didn't have um, a lot of access to uh, capital, and that uh, formed many different types of uh, challenges as far as like uh, expanding to marketing via uh, social media. Um, you know, workforce, 
you know, even technology within, you know, their their um, business to be able to operate it at a, a more efficient way. And so um, I partnered with a group that's called Greenwood Archer. At the time, it was a long acronym that was different, but now it's Greenwood Archer, which is based off of um, the Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Black Wall Street, where the, the um, streets, um, the intersection of, of those streets. And um, I partnered with them because they reach out and uh, find these uh, basically black-owned businesses or entrepreneurs who have an idea, and they fund what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that I'm a believer in is, like, you know, you can have dreams, you can have plans, but they, they all need to be funded. And if you can't fund it, it's really just kind of a wish that it will happen. And um, uh, the biggest thing about the the uh, entrepreneurs and, and black-owned businesses is, is that they are uh, actively denied access to capital, so it's hard to get loans mm-hmm. in certain banks. And so they have a $3 million endowment that they have, and they've raised money to even have more, but um, to give out small business loans to entrepreneurs that want to do stuff. They have a good business plan, and it's a whole you know uh, vetting process to, that they have to go through. But they help out these these businesses in order to build up the community and offer more jobs within the community to build it that way and to, you know, keep kids off the street and also just to, you know, build the neighborhood up. And I'm sure you've gotten the advantage of looking back and seeing some of these businesses that, that just needed that initial kickstart really take off. Can you think of any in particular that was yeah. interesting? Yeah, one in particular was a barbershop where a guy had been leasing the place for a long time. And so this this uh, small loan was he was able to purchase it instead of having to pay rent, you know, every month. And so now he owns this spot and can create wealth by by having other barbers and um, and other chairs where he's the owner of the shop and he's able to make income um, instead of having to make, you know, his income and, and uh, have to pay a large you know sum of money to rent the space out. And uh, so that was one of the, the biggest stories was that. You know, he went from renting it out for a long time to being able to own his own, you know, space and uh, and actually create some wealth and have ownership because ownership is the biggest thing in, in uh trying to cut down on the disparity of the wealth gap. Hmm. So um, here's what I love about your story is that you, one, you had a very successful career. You probably could have ridden off into the sunset, done whatever <laughs> you want. But um, while you were still playing, you actively engaged in your community you still live in Chicago. You're still giving mm-hmm. back to the community, helping people out. Um, you're also uh, focused on a global reach, too, yeah. in terms of serving. Um, tell me a little bit about what you've done with Biblica Bible Translation. Yeah, yeah, I work with Biblica now, and that came about um, when I retired and was totally unexpected. Uh, uh, a teammate of mine was an ambassador for them, and he uh, asked me if I wanted to do a testimony video, and I, I did, and my wife got to talking with um, one of the ladies who, who worked uh, with Biblica and she was part of missions and so she would do mission trips and things like that and uh, my wife was adamant about we need to do a mission trip because she hadn't done one since high school and myself I'm thinking like yeah that's the last thing I want to do when I re- after you know retiring I kind of want to relax and uh, we ended up going to uh, uh, India we went to New Delhi wow. and then we went to Bangalore and Jaipur within you know the same uh, uh, country 
and we you know went all over the place and we uh visited a a slum uh one of the days i think it was one of the last days that we were there and that kind of changed my perspective of service and what i need to be doing how so um because being there um and seeing that these kids had nothing uh you know the the families had dirt floors the kids had tattered clothes some of them didn't even have shorts or pants to wear nobody had socks you know their bare feet and um this family would go in in this tin shack and and they would teach them school because they didn't have a school to go to so they would teach them stuff but they would teach them basically in a christian uh, a way that they that to love jesus and they were singing in their own language that they love Jesus and Jesus has their heart mm -hmm. and they have nothing like they don't even have toys. They have community toys that they have to borrow. And so, uh, when you see that type of poverty and, but the richness of their spirit, uh, it's totally opposite. Um, and then you come back to the affluence of America. It take, it changes your perspective on what's real, real love for Christ is and what real service is. Hmm. Wow. So um, what do you hope to see from your work with Biblica? Where where are they going? What is their, their long-term vision? Yeah, Biblica is one of 11 other Bible translation organizations that form one big organization called Illuminations. Wow. And their goal is by 2033 to have um, all scripture, um, not all scripture, but have all languages have a portion of scripture. And um, there's Bible poverty, which is a word, uh, a key word that people probably never heard before, but not everybody has the gospel. I think in America, we have many different translations. You can go on your, you know, version Bible app and you can look at the NIV, the ESV, the King James, the New King James, CSV. There's so many different translations. There are languages out there that don't have one. Mm -hmm. And they've been waiting hundreds of years or decades um, to get one. And so Biblica... Um, translates the top 100 gateway languages which those languages lead um, uh, lead to other languages to be able to be accurately and detailedly um, uh, translated in, in, a, in the best way possible so that the understanding is is better and uh, so that they can equip pastors and then discipleship can you know take place the, the gospel tells us to spread spread the gospels to the ends of the earth and this is a way that you you can do that yeah, and my wife and I have been in, involved in Bible translation, and the, the part of that scripture that I love, too, it says that the, the word will go out to the whole mm -hmm. earth, and then the end will come. Yeah. And you think about, you know, when we can be part of actually ushering back the second coming of Christ. Yeah. That's that's an exciting prospect, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's um, it's awesome, and, and it, it gives me chills just to understand that uh, how big God is, but he's in every detail of our lives and actually invites you to join him and mm -hmm. in, in accompanying him and being co-laborers in, in the gospel. Yeah. And that's something to really smile at and be a part of. I mean, it's basically the single greatest thing you can do with your life. Yeah, that's well said. Matt, if you could think about like just, um, you know, putting a brief description on what's serving in your life as a whole. We think about all these things you've been involved with. What would you say is has been the greatest benefit of serving? I'd say the, the greatest benefit of serving is that you you start to understand that you're designed to serve. Mm. And, you know, uh, I think the world will, will 
tell you that you got to accumulate as much as you have to or as much as you can um keep it for yourself and and then enjoy what you've accumulated while here mm-hmm. but really uh, the best life is the life that's you that you spend Mm-hmm. and that you give to others and when you there's been many times like even when I was young where you like you don't feel like serving and then you do and you're like I'm glad I did that mm-hmm. and it, it feels a void that only God can fill within you and that you and it, un, you understand that you're designed to do that um, you know it makes me think of you know Christ's life and how the king of kings came he didn't come on like a white horse and uh, with royal clothes and all that stuff, like he entered humanity in the most humble ways, and yet while while I mean, just he's the definition of a servant leader, and so he also told his disciples, you know, they were arguing about who who's the greatest, and he goes, the way to be the greatest is to serve, mm-hmm. and that's profound to me because he didn't he didn't condemn them for wanting to be great. So that means in life, like you, you can, you know, you can have aspirations to be great, but you got to know the way to do that, and that's through service. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's well said. Uh, right before we started this uh, interview, you talked about a favorite verse of yours from Proverbs. It was a real guiding principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that verse, and tell us how you use that to guide what you do. Yeah, my my favorite verse. I even when people and especially kids ask me for an autograph, I put Proverbs three, five, and six on there, which is, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, and He will direct your path. Um, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. So, uh, I think it has great principles um, of life. Of you know, we tend to lean on our own understanding. So, obviously, having wisdom. You can't lean on your understanding. You you re- rely on God to give you, you know, wisdom to operate by. And then, um, you know, acknowledging God in all that you do. I think we have a tendency uh, to try to steal his glory. You know, when people start telling you how good you are and, you know, you start believing that you're famous and all this other worldly stuff that you have a tendency to steal his glory. So when you understand and, you know, it's not bad to do great things that when you do great things and you give God the glory and you acknowledge him in all that you do every single day, he makes your path clear. And so whether you're trying to think like, oh, what should I do? How should I serve? Where should I serve? Like those things become clear to you when you acknowledge him in everything you do. And what does that mean? Um, I have these questions. Let me acknowledge God. Like, God, where should I serve? How should I do this? And then your path, you know, you direct your path. Yeah, you reminded me of some of those early disciples that um, they showed up, and I forget which town it was, but they were doing great things, Mm -hmm. and the people wanted to, you know, they called them Greek gods, and uh, they were trying to worship them, and what did they do immediately? They said, no, 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 not us. They they pointed to the one, the source of the information, and I think about how we have such an opportunity, whether it be pro-athletes or serving in our community around the world, when people want to acknowledge the great things that we do, we got a great opportunity there to to reflect back on the one that truly gave. Yeah, that's I mean, it's the perfect, you know, segue in, into you know, bringing Christ into the conversation to the lost or the ones who have never heard his his of of his goodness. And then to be able to model it so that they can see it cuz you can tell people, you know, all kinds of things and people do claim God a lot and they claim they claim Jesus, but 
will you actually live it? And that's the best testimony that you can you can give them is is being able to live that and giving him the glory is a main part of that because you know, I, I didn't make myself, I didn't give myself talent. Now everything God has given me, I've had to develop that in order to be, you know, an athlete and, and all of that. But then also God has given you that platform for a reason and it's to shine and give him glory. I mean, Isaiah tells us that he, that God had literally created us to give him glory. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not doing that, we're not operating in what God has created us actually to do. Great way to look at it. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the many ways in which you serve. And, uh, just God bless you and all the work that you're doing. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Get In The Game podcast, part of the Sports Spectrum podcast network. Check out sportspectrum.com for more content. And while you're there, consider subscribing to our Sports Spectrum magazine. It makes a great gift and is perfect for the sports fan who loves Jesus. You can subscribe today at sportspectrum.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Get In The Game.